The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hi, Bluewire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Bluewire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! George's Fox. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. And it's a good day to be a Yankee fan. I mean, it's been good days to be a Yankee fan. Every day recently, we've been on a roll. It's it's a great week, great month, great year to be a Yankee fan. And you know what it is like? Last week, I was mad because the other stuff was impacting the Yankees. And I worry about my guys. And I don't like the... I think what they're doing is good, especially the players are really showing. For as much as there was like back and forth about the owners and players, like, who actually wants this? The players would have every right to just be like, no, we're not doing this. Like, I don't know where I'm playing, what time, who I'm playing. But they're being flexible about it. I think the Yankees have been thrust into the middle of being the most flexible. And they're just whipping ass. No, absolutely. And I, when you think about it, it seems like the Yankees and the Phillies have the, have been the ones that have been super flexible. The Phillies have had more rescheduled games with the Yankees than they've actually had games played. Andrew actually tweeted that. Yeah. I saw that. So they've really they've really been doing it. But yeah, I mean, the last time we talked, we were two and one. It was Tuesday night. We were about to play the Orioles, and since then, six and zero. Oh. Uh, Wednesday night, Cole dominated against Baltimore. I kind of thought that they should have taken him out after six innings. He allowed one run over six innings. Boone left him in for the seventh. He let up two more runs, which kind of impacted his line and his stats, not necessarily the game. But did you think they should have taken him out after six, or were you finally leaving him in for the seventh? So I'm – there's part of me that just always is like, just let him, just let him go out there and fucking do it, you know? And we paid him this money. 
Uh, I'm fine with them le- leaving him in because I still I'm, I'm skeptical about how much season there's going to be. So like, do these like do these pitches even matter? But for for a long time, I've wanted someone that when the manager goes to come out of the uh, out of the dugout, you know, there's that that Mucina gif where Tori's coming yes. out and he's like, no, no. I don't want a guy who's going to do that every time, which I don't think Cole, he's got a level head. But let's make him happy early. If he's fine with going back out there, let him go back out there. We've got a lot of contract ahead. Let's not start getting into like a pissing match about the seventh inning with a superstar season one of maybe a season. You're right. Selfishly, though, I want him to win the Cy Young, and I was like, damn, that really impacted his ERA because six and two-thirds and three earned runs looks a lot worse at the end than six innings, one run. So I was a little bit pissed off just about that, and I really want to see him win the award because I thought he should have won it last year. But you know, Wednesday was a very simple 9-3 Yankees-Orioles, typical typical win, DJ with the leadoff homer. Everybody played great, but but Thursday, man, you had the rain delay. We were up. We were all ready to go to bed, like they're going to call it, kind of like what happened opening night, and then all of a sudden at 11 o'clock, they resume. I, once it starts raining, I'm just like, oh, well, this is over. Like every game, I just assume because I think they want to pull the ripcord. I'll be honest. I went to bed. Like we're recording this on Tuesday. I went to bed on Monday. I was asleep at 10 o'clock. We restarted at 10.10. 10. I didn't even know. I had no idea. They restarted. I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, they restarted the game. Luckily, last night you didn't miss anything. Yeah. But but if you would have went to bed last Thursday, you would have missed a lot because Loisaga blows the lead. And then you're sitting there, and it's like, all right, there's a big difference between 2-0 and sweep in Baltimore or a 1-1 split because a 1-1 split feels like an absolute failure in an Orioles two-game series. Yeah, I mean, you go to Baltimore, and we've traditionally – I would say for the last like decade or so, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, have had a hard time winning series in Baltimore. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's a place that we've struggled. And there was even that feeling last year at the beginning of the season. Um, Clint hit that like eighth inning home run. We the were both there. First yep. Saturday. Yeah, we were both there and didn't know each other. Yeah. Um, but And it felt like there, you know, and that really kicked off. Like, I'm not saying that exact moment turned the way the Yankees play in Camden Yards, but like, that was the beginning of like establishing dominance over them that has turned into you know eighteen straight wins. That now you go down to Camden Yards, there's no one on this team. You have to go down there and win two games, especially when you're trying to establish like what is our season, what team are we? Let's go out there and put our foot on their throat. Definitely, and with a two game a two game series is different. Look, if it's a three game series and they win the first two and they lose the last one, okay. Or if they take three out of four, fine. But you cannot split a two game series, and and they're down in the ninth inning. Judges on, your judges up, two runners are on, and the pitcher threw a two one pitch that was below below his knee, which ninety nine percent of the time that's strike two. Yeah, and they call it a ball. It's three one, and then they give him they give him a pitch he can hit. And you saw what happened. He is. He's so locked in, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that more, but at those moments where it's just like, I don't know, the baseball gods, like, they're starting to give him that pitch. And I don't, I don't think there was any big, like, umpiring discussion around, you know, hey, we, this is how we got to, you know, get some of the superstars in the game, especially with everything else going on in the world right now. But I'm big into the baseball gods, 
and the baseball gods have decided that's a ball this year. We've seen him take it a couple of times, not chase it, not go over Because once that starts becoming a strike, and that's not a pitch he can do a lot with, that's when he starts to hit those weak ground balls, or he swings over the top of it, and then, you know, or swings over the top of it, and that's when we start to see, like, obliques and things like that. Yeah. You're exactly right. And that at bat just personified that whole sequence. And it seems like for the past three, four years, however long he's been in the league, like that is called a strike 99% of the time. I was shocked. Because it's a strike for 99% of the league. Like at that, hey, you know, right. not, he's got an extra two inches of shin. <laughs> Dude, his legs, especially since he wears the high socks. Yeah, it's just so it's so notice, noticeable. So you think you said the baseball gods, but do you think umpires have just kind of figured it out and watched video, and that it just took th- it shouldn't take three years to to figure that out? That's my thing. I mean, I want to say like I just don't. I don't think the umpires are good enough to figure that out and sort that out for that one player because we have seen some we've seen some bad calls already this year. Uh, in games. And then, you know, there was some complaining on, was it last night or it might have been Sunday, where there were balls out of strike zone being called strikes, but they've been a strike all night. And if it's going to be, if you're giving that, you know, the inside part of the plate to to righties all night, like I'm totally fine with it. It's the idea that, you know, if it's outside the strike zone, we're going to make this big correction for this one guy. I don't give the umpires enough credit. Yeah, I'm not going to give them enough credit to say that they tried to get better because I think in general they stink. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, we'll see if it carries over, if, it, if they start to realize. Because I don't. Th- it's not just us talking about that. I feel like you hear about it on, you know, the major, you know, uh, you know sports center and MLB Tonight and whatever they play on the MLB Network, that they break down those at-bats. You know, when, when all it is is just we're showing the same highlights again and again, they'll break down that at-bat and show he stayed off this pitch that doesn't normally get it. So I like that. Let's create a little buzz that the umpires are going to see back in their hotel room and know we can't call that. Draw some attention to it. And it's not just Judge. The Yankees are tall across the board. Stan, obviously. DJ is a 6'5 second baseman. Gary's a 6'3 catcher. I mean, they pretty much have the tallest player at each position. We'd be great at basketball. You know, drop us in the bubble. If the yeah. season doesn't work out, we could beat the Nets. Be the eight seed. Do you? And so here's the thing with Judge and, like, with that pitch is I think that what happens is he, he's, you know, he's getting that call right now. And that helps him lock in. You know, the idea of with no strikes, you're looking at the size of a baseball of where you want your pitch gets a little bigger, gets a little bigger. He's able to narrow that now. And as he establishes that over time, because there's a point in a superstar's career where the umpire establishes a strike zone and then it shifts to the player establishes their strike zone. You start to get those superstar calls. So as long as he continues to not go after that pitch and then brutalize that next pitch and they start to not call it and then they'll keep not calling it. And then it becomes you're getting, you know, you're getting the Jordan calls. You're getting, you know, you're not getting that called on you. I remember I forget who it was um I know Ted Williams is batting. I don't remember who the other people are. But there was a pitch that he didn't swing at one time. And he, the catcher says something to the umpire and goes, ah, where was that? And he goes, uh, if it's a strike, Mr. Williams will swing at it. I have heard that story. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, like, I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be Ted Williams. But you start to get to that superstar level where they're like, all right, 
He knows because he's not a young kid anymore. When he's a young kid, he comes up, he's swinging. Who, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Now umpires start to say, you know, and that's where the like, hey, how are you, sir? Like all the polite shit that he does comes back and helps. Yeah, that helps. And look, the offense looked great. Jay Happ did not. They staked him to a 5 nothing lead, and he lets up four runs in what? Two, two and a third, three innings. I, I'm too depressed to look at his line. To me, he looks cooked, done, washed. I think he's 38 with nothing left. Some people still kind of believe in him. I don't want to give him very many more starts. It's weird because it's like, what do we have a rotation? Like, what is this COVID rotation where it's like, you know, are we going to play – our next series, like, do we get an extra random day off here or there? You know, I mean, Cole started with three of the first nine games, three of the first ten games. You don't, you know, you don't get that, really. Um, yeah, he looked awful. You know, he just – I had tweeted because we had the big lead, and I was like, oh, I can move it to – I can move the game to a second screen, whether it's my phone, an iPad. To watch something that Emily wants to watch. Yeah, to watch – if she wants to watch Last Chance You. Yeah. And, and I even tweeted, I was like, just when you thought you were going to watch from Last Chance you, Jay Happ. <laughs> Brutal. And, and people are like, oh, you know, he's going to watch video. He's going to make adjustments. To me, he has a 91-mile-an-hour fastball with very little movement that's very easy to square up. He's a fly ball pitcher with the juice ball. Like, to me, it just doesn't add up. I don't see it ending well no matter what adjustments he makes. And I, I he just doesn't fit in on, on this team, man. He sucks. He really does. So – I think due to packs, we can only afford to have, at this point in the season, Paxson or Hap out of the rotation. Like, I'm not ready to give away those rotation spots fully to the young guys yet, because we don't even know, like, we don't know how long we're playing, we don't know what we're playing for, you know, who knows what other weird stuff could happen. Like, I haven't ruled out and I don't know if the league's even allowed to do this, like them hitting a point where they're like, you know what, we're only doing a 50-game season. We'll pay you for the other 10 games. Let's just get to the playoffs or something like that. Like, we don't – this season's evolving so much that having the veteran presence of a guy who's – you know, if I have to pick between the two, I'm taking Hap because Hap's just got kicked in the teeth more times and still showed up, where I think really sucking is new to Paxton. And I yeah, just don't think Paxton we can give away 90. two spots yet. Pa- we'll talk about this. Paxton at ninety to ninety-one is just—he—he's non-competitive. He's a—he is an amazing high school pitcher, dropped <laughs> into a major league because it's—I mean, we saw guys in high school who could throw ninety-one, throw ninety-two, and they're the best. But they don't get drafted and go straight to the big leagues because it doesn't move, and that's what Paxton has right now. He just can't move. And it's alarming because so last year I went to, I believe it was his first home start against the Red Sox. He threw eight shutout. It was on a Tuesday night. We dominated Boston. It was in April. He was touching 99, like high 99s. I mean, this is supposed to be a high velo flamethrower. And he was averaging 91.4 or something where it's like, it's not even close. Yeah. And they were saying, like, I think last year he had the highest average velo of a left-handed starter. Yes. It was like 96 and change. I think it was like 95-4, something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever the difference was, like, for the Red Sox, they hit, like, 368 when you're over 95. If you're under 95, or when you're under 95, if you're over 95, they hit, like, 160. And just, like, when they show that, and then they show Paxton throw his next pitch, I was like, oh, well, 
we're looking at the 368. <laughs> this is the this is the bad part of it. And when you look at his two starts, you know, on Sunday night he was lucky enough that he only went three innings and he pitched like shit. But the Yankees scored ten runs and bailed him out. But in in the one game that we lost against DC or against the Nationals, the offense wasn't able to bail him out. So he can't be pumping out these three inning starts and just expect the offense to put up a ten spot to bail him out every time. It's not going to happen every time. No, I mean we have. Like, I, my whole thing for years with this team when we weren't, when it was like 2017, 2016, was we have a five to six run offense. So you don't even have to be a great pitcher to do that. But the that's before the balls are juiced. So, like, now we have no idea what is happening. I mean, Gardner's going oppo. Shit's getting crazy. That, oh, my God. I, I was shocked that ball left the yard. Last night, <laughs> I was just like, "Wait, what happened?" It was, I was, you know, that's a that was a foul ball the other way, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And we watch every game. I, I can count on, I think, and they tweeted it was his third career opposite field homer, but you never see it. He doesn't even hit fly balls to left field. He pulls everything in the air. It, it was shocking. Yeah, it was. I mean, once Tyler Wade goes Apo Taco. You shut down the league. <laughs> then we know. Then we know we need a new ball for sure. And I think Phil Hughes tweeted out something along the lines of, "You know, Guardy's my boy, but there's something wrong with that ball if he's if he's going oppo." And all and and Kutch was making a face, and the guys in the Yankee dugout were like kind of looking at each other. Like everybody on that field was kind of shocked. Yeah, I mean that was just we're sticking the bat out there, and it's just go. You know, like what happened here? You, you know, it's. It's what you imagine a corked bat is like. Like I know he yes. Gardner doesn't have a corked bat, but growing up when you would hear about corked bats, it's like, oh, well, there's little rubber balls, so they just fly, you know? Exactly. And speaking of last night, the, the Phillies broadcast, I mean, the camera angles, the commentary, everything about it was horrible. If you did not... Like, I don't, you can't just be a Phillies fan and watch a Phillies broadcast. Like, you have to have grown up in Philly and know everything about Philly prep schools to watch that broadcast. It was atrocious. It was so bad. They did five minutes on David Boreanis and his <laughs> high school football career. With no facts. <laughs> no, it's it's brutal, man. And the camera work, too. Like, there were multiple plays where they would throw a pitch and the camera just wouldn't be on the field. And I'm like, where's the ball? Like, it was very basic elementary stuff that the camera guy just couldn't figure out. And they pointed out a billion times that they were in Philadelphia. Like, we're here at Citizens Bank Park. We're here at Citizens Bank Park. Now, I watched Yes Network broadcast. They tell me Paul O'Neill's in his basement. That's fun. Yeah. That's a fun, silly goose time because it's between innings. He's like, I went upstairs and got a Gatorade. Oh, the because he gets like the Indians broadcast. You He's know? getting leftover pizza. He's getting all that stuff that's fun. But these guys are just like, yep, we're here. in. We're here at Citizens Bank Park. So bad. Brutal. And we don't have a choice because MLB TV is blocked is blacked out for us because yeah. we're here. So this is our only is the only game in town and and yeah it was brutal. And of course I think it was Chad Green spiked a fifty three fifty three foot fastball that Gary had no chance of blocking. It skips to the back and the Phillies, you know, color guy goes on a rant about how Gary's lazy and this and I'm like, this is just the most typical like guy that doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, but now it was I, I thought it was uh it was pretty brutal. But 
good to beat him. Kind of expected expected what we saw. Cole to hold him down. Couple home runs. I mean, it was pretty pretty typical about what I expected last. I mean, night. going back to the Red Sox series, they are fucking bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I was thinking about was like, now he's not a superstar, but Kevin Pillar, right? Kevin Pillar is on that team, and we've we've seen Kevin Pillar in Tampa, uh, not in Tampa, sorry, in Toronto. Like we've seen him over time, you know, again and again. He went out to the Giants. Now he's on a one-year deal with the Red Sox. And I was just thinking, like, for a guy who's an established major leaguer who went through, like, years in Toronto where there was the, you know, they stunk for a while. There's the excitement of, you know, when you've got Joey Bats. You end up in San Francisco at, you know, during not a very good season. And now you get signed with the Red Sox. And we could say what everyone is, like, Yankee fans about hating the Red Sox. But, you know, the Red Sox are... A historically great franchise. If you get to play for the Red Sox, if you're a baseball fan that didn't grow up a Yankee fan, you're like, this is really cool. I think the same thing, as long as you didn't grow up in Boston, you get to play for the Yankees. That's like, it's awesome. Being there for like just one of the, like, this is a joke. You've got no one. There are no superstars there. There's nothing, like, this is the worst time. And I think the next couple of years are going to be like the worst time to be a Red Sox. And that stinks for, like, a veteran who gets that chance. Oh, and you notice it, too. Like, think about the 2018 Red Sox. And the, and the face, obviously, was Mookie Betts, who had an MVP season and pretty much played perfect baseball. And then a guy like like Pilar, he's kind of the face of the 2020 Red Sox. You know, they're okay, whatever, professional ball player, but nobody that's going to do anything crazy. And these pitchers, like, I follow baseball as much as anybody I know. I've never heard of these guys. No he's idea starting, who's on the mound. Like, who are they? Austin, Austin Bryce? Was the guy on Sunday? Is that like that can't be real? <laughs> it's like a name that they'd make up for like nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, I was trying to because there are times, obviously, you know, as I think about you know covering the Yankees for you know the last however long I've done this. There's times when you know a little less because you know life happens. You know yes. when you got a wedding coming, you got a baby coming, and now you got you know COVID and everything going on. It's like ah. Uh, and I started looking, I was like, I don't know, am I just, for a second, I was like, has this passed me by? Can I not do this anymore? <laughs> and I looked, I was like, let me actually, like, open up their roster and see, like, who is on this team. And I was like, no, it's not me, it's them. Like, who the fuck, is, like, who the hell are these people? Like, I know who, like, Christian Vasquez is. He's not good. I know Mike Chavez. I know Xander Bogarts. I know Raphael Devers, but he's not, like, a superstar yet. Um, but for some of these guys, I'm just like, who the fuck is taking the mound for you with Chris Sale dead? It, it, he is dead. It's such a waste, too, because Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez are all elite hitters. Like, yeah. what's the point of paying these elite hitters and having them if you're just going to half-ass it on the pitching side? It's like you're you're really wasting those bats. And I think you're going to end up with um, – I think J.D. has another opt-out. Which, I don't know, I mean, maybe he stays because who knows, you know, what the free agent market would look like. But, yeah, for some of these guys, I'm just like, you know, if you really look at the names on the offensive side, you're like, all right, this could be a different, a, a, a decent team if J.D. steps up and, like, is a superstar. If uh, Bogarts were to step up and, you know, be what he was supposed to be and, like, he's been very good and Devers comes into his own. 
very good offense. But you might as well put a ball on the fucking tee. Oh, really? Really on the pitching side. And, and Andrew Benintendi, for all the hype that he had coming up, has basically had the same numbers as Brett Gardner. He's like a good but not great player. Andrew Benintendi's a haircut. That's all it is. You're paying yeah, for his girls haircut. like him. He's good, good nickname or whatever. Benny Biceps. <laughs> He's not even that big. It doesn't even make sense. Damn, let him know. Let him know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and, the, and then you also have people, and I think Emily said something about this on, on Friday where she was like, you know, do you want the Red Sox to be good? Like, do you miss the rivalry? And I am like, no. Like, I want them to go 0-162. Like, I don't care. I don't want them – you know, for me, but some people kind of root for them to be kind of good so that we can have the big games. But for me, I, I, I'm fine if they never win another game again. Like, I like when the rivalry's good because they were good and we just got to being good. Like, when we had our down years and we got bad. But now that we're good, like, I don't fuck them. Yes. I, I believe – so Nick came over to my house and we watched the game on Friday, which – I forgot how fun it is to watch a game with you because you are a psychopath. Like you are, you're sitting, you're standing, you're squatting. I'm like, we're up by a lot of runs here, Nick. Like we are up by four runs and you're like, ah, we just got to, you never know, which I love. And my wife asked, like, don't you want it to be good? And you were like, no, I want it to be bad. I was like, I don't give a shit if their plane crashes. <laughs> I don't care. Yes. Yes, that was your line. And yeah, we're we're on the sixth floor, so you know, weeknights and we, every night at seven o'clock, the people below me probably think something's going on because I'm constant. I just can't help the pacing and the standing. It's something I've never been able to. Like people just sit on the couch for three hours without moving, watching a game. I I can't do it. I, I have to move around. No, I mean, I tried to explain to her. I was like, we have like a field house. They have like these picnic table, bench like tables, whatever. And Nick is just standing at the front to the side, so he's not blocking anyone's view. Yeah, I gotta like, be on the needs, end. Need to be able to move. Yeah. And I'm the same way at games where I always will pick out an aisle seat. Yeah. I'm a definite aisle seat guy, whether it's whether it's going to the bathroom, getting beers, or just doing that. Like I just like the freedom of being able to whatever on the aisle. Uh, but no, that was fun and you know, obviously appreciate the appreciate the cooking. It was a good time. Very uneventful game though Friday. I mean Judge Homer, but it was never I feel like nothing really happened in that game. Montgomery looked good. No, I mean, and to be honest, like, that's kind of what I wanted out of that game. Because mm-hmm. first Yankees-Red Sox game, it's like, let's just let's get through this. Let's get up early. I mean, they scored first. We answer with two, tack on another. And, you know, we're up 3-1 most of the game. No real threats. Tack on two late in the game. We got to hang out, have some drinks, have some food. And then forget that we had to do the post game video, and I smoked too much. Right. <laughs> totally forgot that I had to do that. <laughs> that was a funny one, and and I I think I remember we were talking about this towards the end of the game, right before that, and we were and I was kind of like, is is Montgomery going to be the number two starter here? No, if Paxton bombs out, if if Hap bombs out, if Tanaka is eh, like there is a world I think where he's starting game two. I mean, I think it depends. Because I don't think Tanaka is going to, you know, the bottom's going to fall out of Tanaka. Yeah. But there might be a time Tanaka is, and it is part of being one of those guys who, like, he didn't have his stuff, but he can battle. But (laughs) where it comes down to, like, we need to hold him for a game three. You know, like, or we need to, if we're hosting the first two games, it's like, do we want to pitch Montgomery on the road or do we want to pitch Tanaka on the road? Or, you know, if you lose... If you were to lose game two, do you want it to be Tanaka 
or Montgomery that's coming in to, you know, right that ship. Those are kind of decisions that they make where, you know, being a gritty guy gets you in that position, whereas being the ace, you know when the hell you're pitching. Yeah, the nerds will look at the matchups of whoever we're playing and decide that. I didn't even think about that, but it seems like with Tanaka, he's got a high floor, but he also kind of has a low ceiling. Like, he kind of just... You know what you're going to get. He's going to keep you in the game. Some games he's going to have it, some he's not. But I think Montgomery has a much higher ceiling. Like, I think Montgomery's best this year could be better than Tanaka's best, if that makes sense. I mean, that's... That's that's blasphemy to some people when you talk about, like, playoff Tanaka. But, yeah, no. Give me the the young live arm. Yeah, and I love playoff Tanaka too, but me and you went up there for game four of the ALCS in a must-win game, and he bombed at home. Oh, my God, and, that was bad. And that was that was awful. So, yeah, it, it is what it is, but it's going to be interesting. Like you said, we don't really have a rotation yet. It's Cole and then figure it out. It's, and, like, sometimes <laughs> but, it's Cole, and then it's like, I don't know, it's Cole again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some of these things. I is – okay. Have you ever seen in, like, travel ball, like Babe Ruth, you know, you have a guy who is your starter. You know, he's your ace, and you've got a doubleheader on, like, a weekend thing and goes out there, and, you know, you have a big second inning, and you're up seven runs. Do you want to pitch game two instead? And you just, you know, you take him out. And with these seven-inning games, I know it's different at the major league level, and it's different with these big contracts, you know. But I just think it would be hilarious if we, you know, this, you know, for one of these doubleheaders – got up big early in the game one that he started, and he's like, no, no, I'll just come back in a couple hours. I'll go have a sandwich, and I'll be back. It, it sounds ridiculous when you say it, but the Yankees are very innovative and open to trying new things with pitching in the bullpen, so you never know. Um, do you got breaking news there? No, 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 no. Uh, okay, cause sometimes that, that's happening. No, but, no. yeah, um, you know, they, I don't see – they obviously won't do that this weekend, but, like, you know, if it was maybe the last weekend and there's a doubleheader and they're going for the one seed – I wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah. I mean, we're, especially once everyone's, like, stretched out and loose. Could be fun. I mean, I'm trying to have as much fun with what's going on as possible. And it's funny to look at what Cole's doing and have, and everyone's still saying, like, he's he's not quite there yet. And it's like, oh, man, it's going to be so great when he's Because I feel... Nothing but comfort when he's on the mound. Even seeing him pitch out of the stretch is like this is weird. Like just it's seeing just weird. his face is great. <laughs> but really like is. whenever I see him like in the stretch, I'm like, that's odd. Why aren't you in the full windup? Why like you got oh someone got on? That's cute. somebody got on. <laughs> and he's way better. If you've noticed, he is money with runners on. Like he goes to a different level, and he did that in Game Three of the ALCS. Matt, you were there. We kept getting runners on, and he yeah. would just bear the fuck down. And you've been seeing that. The only runs. He really lets up or solo homers. Yeah. He, I mean, if someone has the balls to get on base against him, like he takes it as a personal insult and challenge. He's pissed. And and I know everybody is saying we haven't seen it yet, but the, the truth is we haven't. We haven't seen that 15 strikeout game. I mean, how many, I think he had at least, you know, five or six, 12 strikeout games last year with Houston. And I really do think that's coming soon. I kind of thought, with the Phillies having the eight-day layoff or whatever, I thought we were going to see it last night. But they actually put together a lot of good at-bats against him. Bruce did, and, and Harper did, and even Didi a couple of times. They battled, but they just couldn't get the big hit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the um, from the whatever the workouts they've been doing, and they have some veterans on that, you know, on that roster 
that, you know, can compartmentalize everything that's going on and, you know, lock in on what they have to do, especially if you find out, you know, we ha- I haven't played in a week, but the first thing I'm facing is Cole. <laughs> Let me watch. I mean, that's a that's a real shitty way to go to go back into things, but you know, let me uh, let me watch a little extra film and see what I can do. So. Yeah, and, and it was encouraging to me that I'm sure you've noticed this over the years. It seems like whenever we have a big Sunday night win against Boston, like that next Monday is a hangover day. Yeah, and it was really cool to not see that this time, at least for me. I think, and you know, we say hangover day in like the metaphorical sense of you know, hey, a big game and stuff. I think there is a little bit of now that you know. These guys are playing games. Doesn't matter the emotional high, the emotional low, whatever it is. Then they're going right home. There's no let's just grab a quick bite. You know, they're not getting a midnight dinner and maybe having a drink or two. Like they're doing nothing other than going home. So I'm not saying that these guys are normally physically hungover on Monday, but like there are just there are no distractions. It's just doing this back and forth that I think helps prevent some of that. And they seem more focused than any year I can remember. In the same way how you were talking about, you know, the Phillies and the Marlins kind of threw up our schedule. They had to go to Baltimore on a whim at the last second. I mean, they came to Philly for two days and did nothing. They just sat sat here. We we could have hung out with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. They're focused. From the beginning of this whole thing, it was, oh, we're all going to stay in Tampa for these two weeks. You know, when people were, you know, other teams, players are booking flights all over the place. They're, you know, this isn't a vacation. This is just delaying the inevitable of us winning a championship. So they, I, I like that. I think part of it is that we don't have too many really young guys on the team because even like our younger players are kind of old. You know, it's Judge. He's he's an older guy now. Sanchez is an older guy now. Like the baby bombers have grown up. We have Glaber who is locked in on everything he does. Like this is all he wants to do. Yes. And then, like, the only other person would be, like, Tyler Wade, but who gives a shit what he does? Right, right. And even he, at this point, is probably the one guy that's on Tinder or whatever. Like, even he's like, all right, guys, I can't fuck this up. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. So, no, I mean, it's it, – for a very difficult season, very difficult scenarios thrown at them, they've been a cohesive unit. And, you know, it's good to see regardless of how, you know – COVID turns out and the league turns out and all of that. We have this core now. I think like Cole is a big part of that and the way he approaches it and even the way he talks to Gary. Like, I know I, I'm waiting for Cole to just be like, Gary, get rid of the fucking translator. I know you speak English. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, we don't yeah, need that. Out. Let's just fucking do this. You use a translator with the media, use it with, uh, let's just fucking do this. But, you know, when Cole misses on a pitch, you see him in the dugout, like, being hard on himself, talking to Gary about what they have to do. And I think that gets that, – that becomes contagious. Yeah, and it's important for Gary and Cole to get along. You don't want it to be a situation – I mean, I go back to Randy Johnson. He didn't want to throw to Posada. Burnett didn't want to throw to Posada. And we had Molina, the Molina brother yeah. back there, if you remember. You don't want to get into one of those situations with an ace. I think we're good there. It seems like they have a good relationship. But, yeah, man, the past couple of years in the playoffs, it was maybe Paxton will have it tonight. Maybe Tanaka will have it. Maybe CeCe will turn back the clock. Like, it is so great to not have to ask yourself those insecure questions that they have a game. Yeah, he's just he's going to show up ready to work. Let's do this, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, like, just going 
going to Baltimore, taking care of business, having the Red Sox come to town, taking care of business, having the Phillies come in just for like for the one day mini sweep, and then I think the double header is going to be. Like, we owe two games in Philly. Why not just play those as the visiting team? But I think we're wearing the pinstripes for one. So, yeah. So, it's Wednesday or tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this, 4 o'clock and then the next game. So, they'll win. They'll wear the pinstripes at 4 as the home team. They'll go and change, put on the road grays, and then play at night. But I really hate the idea of playing seven-inning games against a team with a trash bullpen. Like, the way we separate yeah. ourselves is by pounding that pen. And now you have a situation where they're going to start their two best pitchers on Wednesday, Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler. Those guys could go six or seven innings each, and we don't really get too many cracks at the pen. So I thought that was a big, big disadvantage for us, and I actually blogged that today that I was pissed. How do you feel in general about – because since the last time we talked, they've gone to the the doubleheader, the seven inning games. I just, I get it. You're trying to get through that, you know, get through these games. But to me, it feels like it's a desperate move. And again, to take it back to like Babe Ruth League, that the, um, you know, when there's like a tournament and it's like, oh well, it's raining, and they're just like, well, we're shifting the schedules and. Everything's topsy-turvy just so some Karen mom doesn't fucking yell at the guy organizing and start demanding refunds. Yeah. That's what Rob Manfred's doing right now. He's just trying to not have to give any refunds and get to the playoffs. Yeah, to me, this is over the line. I understand we have to be flexible with COVID, but you have to set limits. I mean, would the NBA have a basketball game with three quarters? Would the NFL have a football game with three quarters? It's not a real baseball game to me. It's not. And I know you have to be flexible, and I know the schedule can change, but but this is just – this is ridiculous to me. And, it and you know, the idea of saving injury or saving pitchers, is two innings really going to have that big of an impact? A guy gets hurt, they're going to get hurt. With a 30-man roster, too. Like, we're not short on arms. Yeah, what's the point of the whole taxi squad thing, the 30-man roster? Like, I thought that was what that was for. And I don't even know, like, do you get – an extra guy for double headers. Like traditionally you get you were getting the twenty sixth man in the past. Yeah, I don't know if we get thirty one or whatever. Yeah, for... but like th- that's more of a system that I think works than just saying we're gonna play two seven inning games. Like you're trying to like beat the like a storm's coming and hey we're gonna beat this. Yeah, and I look at everything just in the prism of what is a competitive advantage for the Yankees and I just think this is a this is a disadvantage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have bullpen arms, and Philly doesn't. And we can we have the depth to grind through eighteen innings in one day with, with relievers all through the day, whereas they can. And I think this really no, I don't think we're going to get swept or anything. We'll we'll win at least one of them, and might sweep the doubleheader regardless. But it doesn't help us. And losing a game at Yankee Stadium and going there doesn't help us. It just doesn't. No, no, not at all. It's we built the bullpen we built for there to be nine inning games. You know, yeah. there's a lot that can't be controlled. COVID can't be controlled. This situation around it where it's like, you know, we built a team to win a 162-game season. We built an organization that can sustain these, like, big taxi squad depths. Like, that That happened to work out. There are teams that are probably out there that are probably built more to win a 60-game season. They weren't built to do that, but they can do that. We built a bullpen for a nine-inning game. Because that's what baseball has been for a billion years. You're right. And speaking of the pen, the Canely news kind of broke when we were together on Friday. Now that we've had a couple of days to kind of digest that, 
Does it worry you at all in terms of our World Series chances this year? Do you think they'll just keep rolling? How do you feel about that? Well, again, I mean, I don't think it's a World Series. It's a, a baseball championship or whatever it is this year. Okay. But I don't um, – I mean, it, it's a blow. It hurts because the guy – when we got him, he was to most people – you know, that was the Todd Frazier-David Robertson trade. That And I wrote, like, this is not a throw-in. What seems like a throw-in is not a throw-in. This guy is under control and throws 100 miles an hour. So, you know, now where's his career go? You know, who knows? He probably comes back throwing hard, but we could have used him right now, especially with, you know, flexible scheduling. And if you need a guy to come in and just be lights out and throw hard for an inning, like, that's very hard to replace. Yeah, and, and I think for me, it's his emotional energy. It seems like the guys really rally around him. He's great against lefties. He's great against righties. And I know we have this this deep pen, but you saw last year in the playoffs how quickly they can burn out. You really don't trust Adovino, at least I don't, in a big playoff spot. So I just, you know, we have a quote-unquote deep bullpen, but when you have to get through nine innings in a playoff game, it's it's not as deep as you'd think, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, I mean, he... I don't like, know. There aren't just Tommy Canley's lying around. Like there aren't really guys lying around that we can just pick yeah. up. It's another. He's a top reliever. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, can we even trade to replace him? Like it's tough to do that in these, like circumstances. Yeah. You know, without when you're not giving up the farm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. It stinks because. He's been, you know, he's been good for us. He brings that energy. There was a part of me that was like, well, you know, he won't be dicking around in the uh, in the bullpen, maybe being distracting at times. Right, but, right. You know, I don't know. I mean, it stinks to see any guy get hurt, especially if it's like, oh, you're going to miss the, you know, if this was going to happen, you know, let it happen months ago. Because now, you know, you're out a year, a year and a half. Yeah, you got to figure he's pretty much going to miss all of next year. And you got to wonder, are they going to give him one of those two-year Tommy John contracts where it's really cheap and it's like we help you rehab the first year and then we get you cheap you know, your second year coming back and then you can test the market again. You see that a lot with these. With yeah, these I mean, DJs. he's up for arbitration. And then it becomes one of those things where, what was he making this year, like $2.5 million? Um, yeah, 3 4 something like that, yeah. Yeah, and so can you – yeah, can we talk him into like, hey, we'll give you a two-year deal for four million dollars. You make two million dollars this year, two million dollars the next year. We get a free agency year back from you, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't have. If we were to say non-tender him, though, I think someone else would offer that. So hopefully, we can piece something together for him. Yeah, hopefully. And and speaking of the bullpen. What the hell is Araldis Chapman doing in Scranton? This guy was squatting 5,000 pounds at his apartment. You can't tell me that he is not ready to close tonight, tomorrow. Why like, was, he does not need any ramp-up time. Why was he just not pitching yet, like day one? Like, I I just, he went to Scranton to throw a bullpen. You think Araldis Chapman wants to hand, hang out in Scranton with that Kevlar Jeep that he has? I think it has to do with, like... It has to do with the amount of people you can have, like, with the team. Like, because technically he's no longer on the IL. So then in order to, like, like you can't you, – your roster's 30 guys, and I think you can have, like, a three-man taxi squad. So if someone gets hurt, they're traveling with you, but they're ready to go, minimizing travel. Like, 
don't know, Chapman's not – you can't just have Chapman be a part of that, you know? Yeah. Or just like, I don't know, come throw your bullpen at noon and then go back to your apartment. Or, you know, whatever. what are we doing going to Scranton, Pennsylvania? Where does he stay in Scranton? He's got to just go back and forth. Like, now you're making a yeah, guy honestly, drive an right. hour and a half. You're making a guy drive an hour and a half to go play catch. He might not be staying over there. You're right. And you can't tell me that he's not ready to close. I would be totally comfortable giving him the ball tonight in either of these, these doubleheader games. You're telling me he's not ready to go out there? The guy works out like a fiend 365 days a year. I refuse to believe that he needs any ramp-up period. Remember Kei Agawa? Yes. So, I mean, I've talked about this before. I went to Kei Agawa's uh, first start. I was so hyped for him. And he stunk. He stunk so bad. I was sitting in the bleachers of the old stadium. So my my now wife and I left early. I was like, we can just head back to Philly. Left early. A-Rod won it on a walk-off grand slam. Uh, but we were, Oh, yeah, April of, like, 07, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, we were down big, and I was just like, you know, we got college shit to go back and do. Um, he spent, like, the rest of his time with the Yankees playing in AAA because he was on that contract. And he lived in New York and just took a car service from Manhattan to Scranton every day. That's hysterical. Oh, because he had the money for it from the contract. It's like, um, fuck, who's the guy with the Red Sox? Oh, uh, is it Tozawa? No, they have a guy there. No, he's not Asian. Um, Rusty Castillo? Yes. Okay, the outfielder. They've got him stashed in Pawtucket because they've been trying to get under the salary cap yes, for yes. years. And he's like... Everyone says, like, for other teams, he'd be, a, he'd be a major league player if he didn't make the salary that he does. So they're able to stash him there, and he lives in Boston, like two blocks from Fenway, and drives to Pawtucket every day. It's not, I guess it's not worth it at that number to have him up. That's funny. That, that's funny. Yeah, it's like... It's a long drive. That sounds exhausting. There's some, you know, fuzzy math, you know, fuzzy math to it. But, yeah, he had that, like... Seven year, you know, billion dollar contract was seven years, like seventy two million, and he played in the major leagues for. He hasn't played in the major leagues since twenty sixteen. We played uh, nine games. Yeah, and the we brought up Kia Gallant. That was one of Cashman's only like emotional decisions. Like the Red Sox signed Dice K that offseason, and the Yankees just were like, we need to do something to answer that. We'll get the other we'll get the other Japanese pitcher. And it turns out he absolutely just sucked. I, what did he win? One or two games? He was awful, man. He was so he bad. He was so bad. He had the sunglasses. He wore the, yes. the, like, the Oakleys when he pitched, and it was just, it was a disaster. What did he do? He went, yeah, two and three in uh, 2000. Uh, two and three in two thousand seven. Yeah, that's when, that's when I was driving up to the Bronx. Like, we got this fucking Asian guy. It's gonna be sick. <laughs> and, uh, and he was a lefty. It's like he's gonna be yeah. dominant. Oh my god! Yeah. And then he went zero and one in two thousand eight. And then yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he was decent in Scranton, but he just could never, never get it done. No, yeah, never. Um, but, one of the rare. Yeah, it was like the rebound girl. It was like. Red Sox got dice. Okay, we got it. We got to come away with something. Yeah, but um, till classic. from two thousand eight, nine, ten, and eleven, he went from New York to Scranton, and then he even played in Trenton some in two thousand eleven, and went. That's just sad. Yeah, played a double. Sixteen games in Trenton. It's an easier commute. 
You could take NJ Transit from Penn Station. <laughs> he had a car service. Every, I remember I read an article about it. He had a car service that every day picked him up, got in the car, drove there, whether he was pitching or not. You know, but it's not your time in the rotation. You still got to be there. So he just oh went back and God. forth every day. A lot of, yeah, a lot of commuting. But, I mean, if you have the money and you want to live in Manhattan, he obviously didn't care about getting to know his teammates or hanging out after the games, clearly. Yeah, I mean, that just became a, like, ah, well, if there's a real emergency and we got to go to Kayagawa. I mean, there's a, I don't know, I, I, I Googled best hotel Scranton, Pennsylvania, and the highest price that I'm seeing is $134. So... Yeah, even with COVID, I would think it would be low. With I think it'd be lower, even. I don't know. I mean, yeah. The, Who's looking a, a vacation? And the, there's a Radis in there that maybe Chapman's staying at. I don't know. Like I just assumed Chapman had like a mattress up against the wall wherever he lives, and he was just throwing at that. Yeah, me too. He's been he's been working out, and obviously we saw the pictures of him over the off season where he just looked like the Hulk ripping heaters, playing poker. Yeah, I mean, they were like, oh, this guy's got the most deadly disease that we've seen in a long time. And then a day later, it was like, here's him overlooking Central Park, squatting a billion pounds like he's fucking Iron Man. No, he's ridiculous. I mean, to be able to maintain the velocity that he has for 10 years, nobody else has ever really done that. Throw, throw over 100 for 10 years straight. It really is remarkable, and it yeah. makes sense with his work ethic. Yeah, that's why I was surprised that when they said, hey, he wasn't, you know, he's got to ramp up or whatever, I was like, all right, I mean, has anyone told him that? But when I saw he was going to Scranton, I was just like, you'd be surprised, I'd be surprised if he comes back, if he doesn't just keep driving, unless he was just like, all right, Scranton, but I'm driving myself, what's the fastest anyone's ever done it? Oh, yeah, he's definitely doing 120. Yeah. For sure, just trying to top his velocity on the... What's the fastest anyone's ever done it, you know? I'm surprised yeah. that hasn't been a – I think if I would – well, I guess they don't really have cars much if you're, like, a taxi squad guy. Like, in right. general, the guys who ride the Scranton shuttle every year, if they're just like, all right, I did it in 47 minutes, you know, like some kind just of competition. Yeah, yeah, ma- making bets out of it. Like long reliever contest. Yeah, um, but yeah, and and right now I think that obviously everybody's talking about Judge. He's he's the main story, homered in five homers in a five homers in a row in a game. But Gio Urshela is playing some of the best baseball I've ever seen. Defensively, he's hitting. Defensively, he's making every play. Offensively, he's hitting three run homers, grand slams. The guy has been absolutely dominant. I feel like we got to talk about him a little. I mean, there were a good amount of people who were like, listen. Gio Urshela was great last year. A lot of fun. Played well. Found a way to, you know, hit 314. No one even knew who he was. He's going to play in 100, you know, plays in 130 games. Plays some elite defense. This is going to be great. You know, that's cute. But we got Miguel and Duhar coming back. He should have been the rookie of the year. He was working at his defense before he got hurt. I mean, Urshela has put that all to rest. There's no question. There's there's no question anymore. I mean, just think about the feeling you have when a ground ball is hit to Andujar compared to when it's hit to Gio. It, it, it's I can't even describe it. I mean, if a ground ball is hit right at Andujar versus if a ground ball is just hit anywhere between third base and second base, I feel better with you know I feel better with Gio Urshela there because the mobility, the arm strength, just knowing what he's doing, he doesn't have that double pump that. 
uh, we see out of Andujar. It's, you know, I think it's night and day. There were at least three slow rollers last night. Those hard, those hard slow rollers, they're like the hardest play for a third baseman to make that Gio made beautiful plays on. And I remember thinking there is no way Andujar would have made any of these plays. And it really does change the game. And think about how pissed off a pitcher like Cole would be. Like, you cannot have Andujar at third base for any of Cole's starts. Oh, I mean, I, I like to think, because I think Garrett Cole's like the perfect person right now and leader that, you know, he'd treat it maturely. But, yeah, no, he probably wouldn't. And the good thing is, like, we've got Urshela, and, you know, he's 28, bit of a journeyman. He had, you know, a cup of coffee with Toronto, a cup of coffee with Cleveland. We still have him. He's going into arbitration. Yeah, we'll never years. have to pay it. We'll never have to pay him real money. I mean, by yeah. the time he's a free agent, he'll be thirty-one, thirty-two. Maybe they give him a you know nice three-year deal or something. But no, he'll never cost a big contract. Yeah, he's gonna you know he he'll come. He'll you know make his way up to you know making four million dollars and five and seven. You know maybe get to eight by twenty twenty-three. But as long as he keeps doing this, like it's gonna be great. He can be a cornerstone of a great infield. You know, when you think about, obviously, we've got to get to work on the DJ contract. But you get DJ, Glaber, Geo. I don't care who you put at first base. Yeah, you know, right. It <laughs> doesn't matter. And I can't mentally, we talked about how I pace and jump around during games. Mentally, I can't go back to holding my breath on a ground ball hit to Antuhar. I, I can't do it. I've gotten so used to just that comfort and that smoothness that Geo has, and I can't go back. Yeah. No, it's... um. It's, yeah, you don't worry about anything on the ground. Like, there's nothing on the ground. I mean, traditionally, it's been, you know, our whole defense. You know, Judge is, you know, a great defender, especially if he stays healthy. Hicks has been great. Hicks let that ball the other day go. But, like, he, I feel like he owned that right away. And, I mean, say whatever you want about Brett Gardner uh, not being able to hit anything to start the season. He's always been an elite defender. Always, and Talkman's a great defender, too, when he plays. They're loaded with defensive talent. DJ's the best defensive second baseman in the league. I mean, they're, they're loaded. Yeah. They're loaded defensively. So, no, I mean, if this season does not finish, we have a lot to be excited about because Hap, our, our weakest spots right now are Hap, Paxton, Pot, and, you know, Tanaka's always questionable, and they're all gone after this year. You're exactly right. And with Hap, you got to think they're going to make sure he doesn't hit that innings. Because I know all that those vesting options were adjusted yeah, yeah. for the 60-game season. They are going to – I mean, if he has one inning to go, they'll put him on the IL or something. Like, Cashman will make sure that that doesn't vest. I just don't think with the way the game is being structured, too – I mean, we're going to the bullpen earlier because they're, they're using the excuse of, you know, with everything going on, we're not really – unless you are an ace – you know, I don't see if unless Hap has no hits through six innings. Like, I don't think we're going to really we're not going to see him in a seventh inning. No, I'll be happy with with four innings and one or two runs at this point. It really feels like his Yankee career ended during Game One of that that ALDS in in Boston. What's your phrase? Pissed down his leg. Pissed down his leg when he sees the Empire State Building. You don't resign that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hap got lit up in Fenway. Like he looked like a lost little kid that wandered into the wrong neighborhood, 
we got shelled. We lost that series. And after that, everybody else wanted to re-sign him because he had a good second half. But after that start, I was like, I don't really trust this guy. Moving forward, Cashman decided to re-sign him. I've written many times about how much I disagreed. It is what it is. I think it was a desperation move. It was like, oh, well, he's lefty. You know, it's yeah. tough. He's a veteran. And, and all the, the word, like, he's a professional. He's a veteran. He does things the right way. It's all that intangible bullshit that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't keep the ball on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it doesn't have his stuff, but yeah. he battles. It battles. He's not even a battler. Tanaka's a battler. He's out yeah. there battling. And Paxton's a battler. And it looks like with Paxton, he's pretty much writing his ticket out of town. I mean, I don't see any way Cashman pays him if he's sitting at 91. Well, I think it, you're going to end up with Scott Boris has an excuse for that. He's got a binder full of information on that. <laughs> he does. And he's going to, like, Paxton could legitimately be like a DD situation where it's like, we just don't call. Like, yeah. there was just no phone right? call, not even a, like, Hey, so what are you looking for? Because the number is going to be insulting. Like, yes. Boris oh is going God, yeah. to ignore this season, the first half of last season, and just say, like, yeah, this guy, he's a $25 million a year pitcher. He'll pull up. He'll only talk about that start against the Astros in the in Game Five that we yeah. were both at, where he had the ten strikeouts. Yeah, that'll that'll be it. And you kind of it kind of makes the decision easy because all along we've all kind of felt like they're not going to pay Tanak and Paxton. Like one of those guys is gone, and you see the way that Tanak has come back from that concussion and how much of a gamer he is, and you just see Paxton with the sad puppy dog look, like trudging off the mound. To me, just based on their mental makeup and their personalities, like that makes it an easy decision for me. And I haven't heard, you know, and obviously, you know, we're not in the clubhouse, but I don't know, you hear about the personality of Tanaka a little bit, you know, and obviously there's a language barrier for a long time and social things. Um, You hear about Cole coming right in, setting up dinners. You heard that about CeCe back in the day. You even heard about that with A.J. Burnett. Paxton, it's just like, if he's just not there, well, he wasn't there, you know, like, all right, he's not here anymore. There's not that. You either have to be fucking amazing or very good and like a leader and, you know, all this stuff to get the money that we're talking about here. And he's not going to, you know, that's just not him. And when you look at it from like a value standpoint, Tanaka's making $23 million a year. I mean, obviously everything's down a little bit this year. He's making $22, $23 million a year. The guy's made $155 million-ish, you know, in America, aside from, and, you know, that's just on the field. The guy can take a 50% pay cut, make $12 million a year, and, you know, get to stay in New York, continue to be a Yankee, continue, try to win a World Series for the Yankees, still get all that advertising money back in Japan, and, you know, he could do a four-year $48 million contract, make 12 a year for the next three years, uh, of next four years, be 35, see where he's at, maybe go back to Japan for a year or two. That's exactly what I was thinking, 50 million or something over yeah. over three or four years. Exactly. You know, you don't want to insult the guy, but he also, he knows he's not a $25 million a year pitcher anymore. Like, I think they'll have an understanding there, and he seems very comfortable as a Yankee for this entire seven years. Like, he's never seemed uncomfortable with anything. Um, he's adopted well. And then Paxton kind of reminds you of the guy. Every friend group, I feel like, has the guy where it's like you don't realize he's not there until like two hours in. It's like, oh, he's not here? Like, he's just not memorable, not yeah. no personality. not That's who Paxton is. And if you think about, like, Tanaka came in 
the, the end of Jeter. You know, we've got Ellsbury. Like, this was a big, you know, team coming out to win a World Series, and he's gone through some rough years, gone through some surprising years, and been a professional about the whole thing. Like, you've never heard a complaint. You've never really heard, you know, anything. So I could see him coming out because, like, where else are you going to go? Unless there's, like, some weird thing where it's like, oh, him and Otani want to, you know, be boys, which I don't see happening. Like, you're going to relocate your family? I don't think so. And how much more money the Dodgers have? They just gave Mookie $400 million. They're not going to be lining up to spend money yeah. this offseason after that. And, and like you said, other, I don't ever think about with, like, prime free agents, other than the Dodgers, I don't think we really have competition in terms of culture, location, stadium, like, everything that goes into it. The Dodgers are really the only team. Like, I wasn't worried about the Angels with Cole. I, I was just worried about the Dodgers. Yeah, and, like, if someone wants to pay, um, you know, Seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year to Tanaka after this season. Go nuts! I don't want it to be the Yankees. You know, if the Dodgers want to pay that and they win a World Series, good for them. I don't think eighteen million dollar a year Tanaka is the difference between winning a World Series or not. No, me, me neither. And we have the depth. I mean, we talked about the the Clark Schmitz, the Davy Garcias of the world. I mean, we have guys ready to step in. I mean, even Mike King looked looked pretty good the other night. So the Yankees are comfortable with their depth. Who knows with Herman? No, I still have him in the back of my mind as maybe maybe late this year or next year as a, as a potential contributor still. Well, so I think Herman can't come back this year. I think he's he can in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean that'd be a weird a weird move. It would be weird, but if they if one of the pitchers goes down, I wouldn't be shocked, man. He was he won eighteen games last year. Yeah, I mean maybe if they can find like, I like I don't know how it works. To sometimes when you're coming off suspensions like that, it's like you know a month before you can start doing stuff like not with the team. You start rehabbing. So who knows? I mean maybe they maybe they do. I mean if I'm the Yankees, I'm telling him regardless, like wherever he is. Like, yeah, get down to Tampa and start working out. You know, like, if we've got our eyes on you every day, we know you're not hitting any women. Right. I mean, he's obviously got his, his personal problems. And, look, I don't think it, I don't think it's an over 50% chance that he pitches in a playoff game, but I definitely think that percentage chance is higher than 10. Like, I think it's, I think it's possible, depending on, depending on injuries. And, look, we got these. We got a doubleheader Wednesday. We got a game Thursday. How do you see the rest of this, this Philly series shaking out? Three out of four? Well, wait, so, wait, we have the doubleheader Wednesday. Oh, and then we're staying there on Thursday. We're playing Thursday again, yes. See, I've tweeted, like, if I know on any given day where who the Yankees are playing, where they're playing, and what time they're playing, like, that's a big win for me. Yeah, it I can never nuts, tell. man. And they're not playing, and, you know, we thought we were going to have a game tonight, and... It's obviously not happening. Yeah, and it's weird also because obviously we're in Philly and, you know, it'd be like, oh, the Yankees are here. It's weird to not be excited about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, so we're doing that and then we're doing four games over the weekend. So you get two doubleheaders this week, Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah, which is a lot of innings. But I guess that's their excuse of like, this is why we're doing seven innings. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we took like two of these three. But if we took three of them, I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't see us losing more than one of these games. It could possibly be one in a doubleheader. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think we're going to split the doubleheader one way or another. And then Thursday is supposed to be Tanaka and uh, Zach Eflin. 
who's not a very good starting pitcher yeah. for the Phillies. So I, I don't. I mean, and Tanaka was throwing ninety four on on Saturday. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Tanaka too. knows his contracts up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little extra juice. Is that where the juice comes from? Maybe. I mean, you get. Yeah, I, I see us taking you know two out of these three, and then three out of four in Tampa. I That's could even fair. they've looked awful. The race they got swept by the Orioles. I could even see us taking like the first three, and then that Sunday, like one o'clock, mail it in. We're getting out of Florida. We have an off day tomorrow. You know, I could see that happening. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be interesting. You do see them mail in that that last game. I think last year was right before the All Star break. They played Tampa on a Sunday, and they literally slept walk. Through the whole game. You see that a lot. I mean, it's one of those things where you're just like, especially with everything going on, it's like, how the fuck do I get out of Florida? And it's funny, too, with, like, the fact that they're not playing today, but they're playing the doubleheader. Um, Last night, I mean, a lot of people were all saying, like, Major League Baseball got it right for the first time. They were like, we see that there's going to be an issue tomorrow. Let's just get ahead of it and push the game. And now it's sunny out. (laughs) <laughs> it's killing me, man. It's like they did the, baseball weather right It's now. beautiful out. I walked the dogs. Like, yeah. But I get it because also with, like, the travel, like, now they were able to get the Phillies on the bus, get them back to Philly, get them in their ha- apartments, get the Yankees on the bus tomorrow morning or whatever it is. Yeah. Citizens Bank Park's also, uh, you know, obviously it sucks that we can't play at Yankee Stadium, but Citizens Bank Park might be one of the only parks that's actually more hitter-friendly the Yankee Stadium. Being that it's we live here, I mean, I've been to a bunch of games there. The ball yeah. absolutely flies short dimensions, so we shouldn't have any problem hitting there. Yeah, no, this is a band box. It, um, yeah. Besides sure. that, like around the league, I mean, you know, the Mets are a disaster. You know, with Cespedes, <laughs> oh the Cespedes, $110 million for 127 games over four years is insane, but like classic Mets. Um, Almost a million a game, you got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. It, it like I know he restructured like the last year and everything, but to just not show up, like I think you know everyone said when he didn't show up and people were making jokes, like, you can't make jokes, like he might be dead. Um, I think now because of what it was, like the next time he'll probably be dead, but we're allowed to make jokes. Yeah, everybody was being like such a hard over that. Like I feel like everybody is just so pent up with like, how could you speculate? Like, come on, guys, he, he mailed it in. He went home. It was very unlikely that that I thought that something had happened to him in Atlanta. And and the people that are like, you can't ever say anything. It's like, all right, guys, take a deep breath. He's on a jet, going home, yeah. drinking lick, drinking some sort of liquor. No, well, he went to the mall. Someone got a picture with him that day at a mall. <laughs> he was just walking around a mall with a mask on. Which it's like, oh, you're opting out because COVID, but you went to the mall and took a picture with these teenagers. Bizarre. Do you think he, they just started slow and he was like, fuck it? Or do you think yeah. it was actually Yeah, I think he was like, okay. yeah. I like, fuck it. What am I – why am I dealing with this? You know? And that's another advantage I, I think the Yankees have. And think about some of the teams we're playing in in September. I don't know. Think of a, think of some, some random player. If the team is out of it, what's the point? And now all of a sudden we're playing weakened teams. I mean, that's a scenario that could lead us to going like 50 and 10. Yeah. Yeah, I started yesterday actually thinking about 50 and 10. Like this, they right? can take walk because our team, we're just so locked in. Um, other Lorenzo Cain opted out. Um, the Cardinals are going through. It looks like the Cardinals are missing a, a week of baseball. Uh, we'll let them worry about how they're going to make up those schedules. Like at first, when it was the Marlins, because it like touched us, 
I was like, what the fuck, baseball's, uh... But now that it's in the Central, I'm like, I don't know, they'll figure it out. We'll see in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, Central and the West, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter for us. Yeah, it seems like they, they have a lot of guys where rumors are going to a casino. It seems like the league has now said, like, essentially, you can't leave your hotel. Like, we're not in a bubble, but you can't leave your hotel. Uh, and if you, you can't follow those rules, just opt out. Uh, and a couple guys have opted out, which is their, um, you know, it's their right to do that. Uh, Joey Votto, very Canadian move to just be like, ah, I felt some symptoms. Don't, you know, test me. Came back negative, but I felt symptoms. I feel like a lot of guys play through that. I mean, that's how we ended up essentially with the Miami situation. Right. Like the opposite of the opposite of what we're seeing. It's it's better for, for guys to be cautious. But then you have like Yachty Molina. He was asymptomatic and he tested positive. I mean, obviously that was a Cardinals situation. But there were pictures of, I think it was like two Cardinals relievers we're out renting a boat or going on a boat ride or a picture of them doing something in public. I think it's, you know, it's Jeter said it too. Like people just got, you know, the false sense of security and there's a bit of like, well, hey, I would do stuff. You know, what's the point of being rich and famous if I can't be rich and famous? You know, if I'm just going to work. But I think with these, my hope is with these first two scares that we are able to just say, we're staying in. Everyone just we're staying in, and that's it. Yeah, no, I think so too. And G, I mean, Jeter, what a PR nightmare his Marlins tenure. <laughs> like for all the good PR he had during his playing days, like my God, it's been a nightmare. I think it's all kind of bullshit because like he got rid of all those players because like listen, you move into a house, you don't keep all the furniture and pay. Like I almost bought a house and then I didn't because they were like, oh, and we got the solar panels on the roof aren't paid off, so it's an extra $37,000 loan. And it's like, well, I didn't sign up for that. I don't have the time to do the research. You know, I'm, I'm going to pass. So, like, he is, he's trying to build something from the ground up. And I don't necessarily blame him. Like, he's not in the strip club with them or whatever it is. But you do have to go all the way to the top and take that responsibility. And I feel like he's come forward and done that. Uh, and hopefully they use it as a learning lesson as they try to build, you know, build this franchise over the next decade. You're right, and and this sounds kind of fucked up when I say it, but it, it, if it was going to happen to any team, I'd rather it happen to an irrelevant young team that's not in the American League. Like I think it'd be a bigger deal baseball wise if this had happened to the Dodgers or the Cubs yeah. or the Red Sox. I think part of the fact that we were able to sweep it under the rug is because it was the Marlins. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that's baseball. The Yankees... We're good. We're good. We're good at baseball. We're good at baseball. I'm excited to watch baseball. Like, you know, it's. I look forward to it, which is nice. Something great, to look man. forward to. It is. That's what life's all about. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, keep rolling with Philly and take care of Tampa, and then we'll be talking again next week. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you can follow Nick on Twitter. At NKirbyNYY. It's a good follow. Give him a follow. Uh, you follow me at JJ from the Bronx. Follow the show at George's Box Pod. Uh, rate, review, five stars, all that fun stuff. And um, yeah, just go ahead and tell a friend because now it's baseball season. We have actual baseball to talk about. And we don't know where the season's going. We don't know when it's going to finish. But if there's a championship, we'll see you at the parade.
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally back, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Big Shot Bob Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like to play without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So go check them out. BLUEWIRE, betonline.ag. You're betting anyway. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock resets after just 10 seconds. That means... Every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use promo code GEORGE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash George. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.